Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking on Charge podcast. I believe this is episode six today. Uh, sorry for such a delay, but it's been a crazy month. Uh, we had an ice storm hit Houston and just kind of took us out and some other things. But uh, I am Jonathan with Team Salt Boys. And I'm Ryan with Team Lethal. And I'm David also with Team Lethal. And today we have an interesting episode. We're going to be talking about our experiences and by ours, I mean theirs, uh, experiences playing and commentating at PPG Miami and the webcam that PPG hosted. It was a regional, I believe. Uh, so we're going to get into that. We're going to start with Ryan. He actually played in both the Miami event and the webcam event. Uh, when was the Miami event? Like two, three weeks ago? I was like, what, March 3rd, right? March 5th? Something, oh, around, around the beginning of March. Though. I think it was, the, it was the first weekend of March okay. uh, where we started. Uh, I got my invite uh, from the uh, last uh, webcam uh, tournament right before the, uh, the, the PPG Miami. Uh, I got second with King Piccolo. So that was the deck I also brought to Miami with King Piccolo. Um, I gotta say, it's pretty... I think the, the first thing that I'll say right off the bat is that it's very um, warming to come back and finally hear the words, uh, the round one has begun, you may begin. Uh, I think everybody just wants to hear those words. <laughs> I miss those words. You know, I like spending like seven hours in a room cramped trying to scroll over to your uh, table placement. You know, it just brings back good feelings of like, you know, being in a real big tournament and um, just getting to play with different other people. I think... Um, I think I still remember my match history. Uh, first match was uh, Ribu Gohan. Second one was uh, I played two Mecha Freezes back to back. After that, I think uh, was when I played Justin Rios. Uh, so we had a mirror match after that. After that, I played Dark Broly, and then after that, I played uh, Launch. Hmm. Uh, my two losses were to Justin Rios and the Launch player. I think it was Frankie, the guy who got uh, top sixteen uh, with Launch. He was the one that played a sublet first match of Top Cut. Oof. And then um, uh, I tied out with, uh, I can't remember his name, but it was one of Justin Rios' teammates. It was his sponsor, the one he does the shout-out with in the video. Uh, me and him tied uh, playing Dark Broly. It was a good, it was that, that was a good match. I think that was one of, the, one of my more favorite matches because it was definitely um, down to the wire. But um, I got to say, it was really, really fun going to PPG Miami. I believe uh, 16th was Travis Washburn. He was playing launch. Yes, my bad. Yes, Travis. Travis was the, was the one who I played. Uh, and he was playing uh, the launch deck. That match, he just completely wiped me. I think he just saw the the god hand twice. Mm. And I was just like, well, I definitely can't do anything. Hey, when they got the nuts, they got the oh, nuts. When you got, yeah, when you got the nuts with launch, you just completely just wash your opponent. That is such an... That deck can completely glass cannon you. Oh, yeah. The fact that it filters a whole bunch. I mean, he just had an amazing deck. I oh, saw yeah. him against Matt Sublet. Oh, my goodness. He just kept on playing battle card after battle card after battle and he card. And he sacrificed his board and just kept going. He didn't care. He's like, I don't need this twice. I just need this once. Yeah. <laughs> once, you, once you got the board going, it's pretty much unstoppable. And the fact that you alliance, so you can actually survive a death beam. Right. That's, the, that's the pretty most amazing part. So you, so you basically bait out the Sleepy Boys. Because mm-hmm. if they're Sleepy Boys, it's just going to be too big to death beam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Um, uh, PBG Miami, definitely one of my, uh, I think one of the best events for the beginning of the year. Definitely a good way to uh, start the year off, just because of the fact that an in-person event something a lot of people have been wanting because of COVID-19 and everything like that. But now that we're starting to get more vaccines and states are becoming more lenient with lo- lifting their bans and everything like that, right. I think we might see a rise in um, in-person events. I know we're having a web- the, the webcam invite tournaments uh, April or in April 24th, I think, something, something like that. that. Uh, that one's coming up soon. Um, 
But I think after that, we can probably start looking forward to more in-person tournaments. I know a couple countries are still doing in-person tournaments, too. And it's nice that we had one that we haven't had in a while with PPG Miami. Um, no, definitely good, but I'm, I'm not curious. Did you ever get starstruck when you went to PPG Miami? Like, was there anybody you saw that you were just like, oh my goodness, is this person, is this person? I couldn't find any of the dudes from the Hermit Style podcast. Uh, I was really upset. <laughs> Ernest kept telling me that he saw them and he never never pointed me out to them. And I was just like, uh-huh. yeah. I was like, these are the guys I wanted to meet the whole time. Uh-huh. And Joey Pilot either, but that's because Joey Pilot is a pretty good dude. Oh, dude, he's awesome. Yeah, he's good. It was good to see uh, Matt again, you know, ever since he moved out from Houston, you know. It's good. To, it's good to see him all the time again. Mm-hmm. I met Giancarlo. Giancarlo is an amazing dude. Uh, shout out to him for winning, by the way, uh, first place yesterday. Uh, nice. Taking King Piccolo and then uh, making a mirror match King Piccolo look good because they're oh. pretty much boring to watch, but that was pretty good actually. That was a really good match. No, definitely, definitely. I mean, it 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 was really good. And then another question: Whenever you did go to PPG Miami and you walked in there, I mean, even though it wasn't as big as you normally go to, like the regionals that we've been to, the whatnot. I mean, how was it crowded wise? Were you able to get to your spaces, like times in between rounds, and how? I mean, was that all good? How was the tournament put together? Was it? I think it was. Um, I mean, I think I've been a couple of big tournaments. I've been to some YCS, some Grand Prix. I've been a mix and match for Magic and Yu Gi Oh. It's, it was organized, I would say. Uh, everybody wasn't, you know, just kind of being clusterfucked around and everything like that. Uh, I was able to get to my seating most of the time, mm-hmm. uh, and very fast. Although my opponent got there faster than me all the time, so I was just like, right now i got to go all around. <laughs> I just want to go for the easy route. Nope, can't do that one. I was at sniped. And the judging? The judging was good? I mean, did a uh, lot of people call for judge, or people knew exactly what the interactions were? I, I would say out of this, I would actually, because I, I noticed all the judge calls, because mm-hmm. it's, it's very easy to hear someone scream judge at the top of their lungs. <laughs> I, I think this is probably the, 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 the event where I've seen the least amount of judge calls. Which makes sense, right? This is a qualifier. That, like, you had to qualify for this. I mean, mm-hmm. like, these are winners. These are top 16s. Like, people on top of the meta, on top of their card They should know their stuff, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you would think they would have less judge calls in a regular open, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the only time I ever had a judge call on me was... Uh, there was an interaction that even I didn't understand for the, the time being as a judge. Um, it was uh, when I had my Piccolo unison out, and then uh, someone uh, tyrannical blowed, then tried to negate the... Uh, the uh, Piccolo Jr. I was just on a, I was just I was just curious to make sure that the my auto still resolved because mm-hmm. that also did change the whole game state at that point. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But um, the I the judge the judging was definitely uh very on very on top of his game. Yeah, you know, I think it's just like maybe one maybe two judges. I think it's just one head judge and he's just all around. It was a big enough event where you can have one judge kind of monitor everything at once because not everybody's asking for a judge at every two seconds. How many players? One hundred and twenty, right? It, it seems about right. Yeah. One hundred and twenty. That, that they had a good substantial amount of players. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're a level two head judge, I think you can manage that kind of um, environment because you you should be on top of your game and you're just able to rattle off uh, what they're asking right off the bat because hmm. you have a you have a way more understanding than any level one judge at that point. And I, mean, I think he's been doing it for a minute, so he should understand. That's fair. Yeah. So as a as a player in PPG, I'm curious: Did you just sit down and just begin playing and just calling out your players, or did you actually have conversations with these guys? Like, was it business or was it like, hey, for fun? Or there were some where I tried to do it. Um, uh, my first match, uh, we talked a little bit, and then after that, uh, we just kind of got down to playing. I think with both the Mecha Frieza players, uh, we had a conversation here and there. I know the second Mecha Frieza player is kind of discouraged, mm-hmm. but I, but uh, it was uh, I was talking to him, and then Marquise came up and was just talking to everybody, 
And he was just like, well, how you doing? It's like, I think I'm going to lose here. And I was like, no, don't. It's like, no, don't be like that, man. I was like, you got one on me. I got one on you. I was like, it's just on anybody's game. And then Marquise is like, yeah, man, you got this. I clapped real loud. I hope the mic peaked right there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, it was just good conversation with the dude. And we just got to, we just kept talking after that. The other Mecca Frieza player, we kept talking as well. Uh, Justin Rios, we talked a little bit, but it was a King Piccolo matchup. So Justin kinda, Rios is not a talker. You, know? <laughs> you gotta you gotta kind of focus at the end of the day too. Justin Rios, he'll, he'll talk a lot before and he'll talk a lot after, but during the matchup, like I'll say, I try to I try to break the ice a little bit. Mm. I try I try to hammer in there a little bit. I started cracking jokes. I started saying some one liners and stuff like that. I got a bit out of him every once in a while, but you know, at the end of the day, he's still a good player to understand that he's just trying to you know concentrate the whole time. And the other day, I'm trying to concentrate too because the pink Piccolo matchup is probably the worst matchup in the game for us. Yeah, yeah, red exactly. versus red. That's I hard. mean, red versus red, but I mean, it seems as though like King Piccolo, it has everything you know that you you could ever want. But when you face in the mirror matches, it seems like they have weaknesses for themselves, their own selves. I think the uh, I think someone explained it to me in the best way possible. Playing King Pink, uh, playing against the King Piccolo mirror match is the equivalent of like two dams ready to bust. You just don't want to burst. Uh, uh, you're, you don't want, you don't want the dam to bust before your opponents bust on you. True. That was. <laughs> So whoever's Why premature not? is the one that loses. Exactly. This sounds like a PG version of something else. Not it's a PG version of something else. But at the end of the day, though, it's just uh, you, you, you don't want to leak out your value before uh-huh. your opponent does. Because if, they ha- if they're holding all their value and you're trying to uh, you're just trying to go all in and they can just immediately just like you know pivot around you, you just lose at the end of the day. Right, right. And it's, right. it's like something that I'm still trying to understand is just the matchup. Because Justin Rios understands the matchup way more than I did. So I, I just knew it was going to be an auto loss at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Max Rarity Games has like all the top players in the world oh, yeah, no just playtesting each other all the time. So it makes sense. Yeah. I, I, another question, too, because you said playing all the time. And me as a player, yeah, I like playing, but I'm old school. I like playing with the cardboard, man. You know, the expensive cardboard, you know, the smell of the wood and whatnot. You as a player, you've played both in person and you've played in webcam. I know there's differences, but what are your preferences and why? No, oh, it's just in person. In person is just better. Webcam, there's a lot of issues that can arise and everything else like that. Plus, I don't like getting up early to set up a table. That's really annoying because mm-hmm. I have to put it back at some point. That's fair. Yeah. So, uh, plus, plus in-person events just means you get to have more of it. I try to always keep an interaction with my opponents from time to time as well, and it's much easier to do it in person. Mm-hmm. No, that's what's up. I mean, there's just a whole lot of advantages and disadvantages for both sides, but like, like I said, me personally, I'm a dinosaur. I really don't like webcams, but I mean, I guess until, you know, in-person events continue to, to skyrocket and rise, I'm going to have to try. But uh, I guess it just kind of scares me a little bit because, you know, we did see on Facebook a little bit on, on people that are trying to, you know, sleight of hand and stuff like that. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. What are your opinions about that? Either they do it, they do it, or you try to catch them, or I mean, what, what is it about? It's easier to catch a cheater on a webcam event than it will be ever to catch a cheater in real life. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you're just not paying attention. You're trying to pay attention to your own deck, think about how you're going to make different plays and stuff like that. So you might not be focusing all the time. The benefit of having a webcam term is that, that you can have a whole audience watching you. True. That is true. I didn't even think about that. You can have a lot of people watching you as opposed to like an in, yeah. in-person so, event. Yeah, because a lot of people bash on webcams because they're like, oh, it's easier to cheat and stuff like that. Oh, uh, I can disconnect my webcam and just reconnect it every two seconds. Like everything, everything is just a shot in the dark. Sometimes you do that and then you just lose because all of a sudden it takes more than five minutes. Mm-hmm. Or you can just watch somebody shuffle their cards and they're just like, oh, let me just, uh, yeah, right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to cut? Okay. Let me just do something like that. No, it's easier to see, especially if you're uh, you're being watched on like the, the live stream and stuff like that. The whole audience is going to go ballistic on you because everybody forgets that chat's pretty vigilant at watching what they're doing. Yes, 100%. they are. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, uh, that's enough for Miami, though, because Miami, Miami was pretty big, but yesterday's event was also really big, too, as well. I think we had over, like, 200 players for that one. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, like, 250-plus. Yeah, 200. Yeah, to over 250 players, eight rounds, uh, best of one. So uh, I went in playing Vegex because I just wanted to play a deck that had side deck answers, so, like, Black Mask Saiyan, uh, True Fighting Spirit, uh, Quetzalcai, stuff like that. So I could at least, you know, answer some of the board from time to time. And, and how did Vegex fare against uh, King Piccolo? Uh, I never played King Piccolo. That was so what? funny. Yeah, I didn't play King Piccolo. My whole matchup was all meta, but no King Piccolo. This man. I, my matches were uh, what was my first match? Uh, Sen Shenron, um, Green Go Tanks, uh, Blue Baby, uh, Launch Red Baby, uh, Red Vegeta Baby. Uh, another launch player and Dark Broly. Red Vegeta baby, let's go. And there, and there was a Red Vegeta baby. That was interesting. Yeah. Uh, what were your toughest matchups as a Vegex player? Uh, Andrew Duvall. <laughs> oh, I also played Legends too. I was I don't know why I freaking Invoker because I, I I was praying that there'd be seven rounds, but there's eight. I also played Legends too with Invoker. Uh, probably those two. Those two were the hardest matchups. Mm -hmm. um, because of the deck or because of the pilot? A uh, little bit of both. Uh -huh. Baby's just an incredibly hard matchup for uh, Vegex because. Uh, you just kind of want to swing out as much as possible, but they can interrupt you really easily because mm -hmm. Gohan kind of exists, and that card's really annoying to go through. Fair. Oh, the if you got a bottom deck to swing. Yeah, this bottom decking. If it was like a topo where it's discarding, I wouldn't care that much because I can just get more value out of discarding than I could bottom decking. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing that I don't like about that. And um, uh, with Invoker, it's just if they get to turn five, they can kind of just win off the bat. So I was doing a good job keeping both players at bay, but. Like I said, at the end of the day, they just they understand the game a bit better than I do, so mm -hmm. they're able to just uh, you know, uh, just understand how they can just get around what I'm trying to do and just win the game right off the bat. Oh, that's what's up right there. Yeah, I do want to give a shout out to Agent of Duvall. <laughs> He's the only person I've ever seen playing a booty under Black Mask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be mean to Andrew Duvall. That dude's an extremely, extremely good player. But that was just the, that was probably my highlight of the day. It's just seeing somebody go, oh, booty. Uh, did you make three tokens? All right, cool. I got a black guy on <laughs> That's just guts right there. You got them guts. We're going to swing and play them. He said he didn't need those six cards. I didn't need those. Yeah, <laughs> he really didn't because he won off the bat. Oh, man. That, that, that is awesome. So as a player, how do you feel the, the meta is? Do you think it's it's healthy? Do you think that everybody is just leaning toward one deck? Or how do you feel about that? I think the meta is probably the most healthy it's ever been. Because uh, one, you have a blue deck that's in. So... Uh, that's asking. That's uh, that's asking a lot right there. I know, right? Yeah, Blue Baby <laughs> finally found its footing in the meta. That's doing a really good job staying there. Um, yeah, you got a lot of you got. A, I think I always call it like the triangle of uh, of uh, top tier decks. You have got Launch King Piccolo and Dark Broly, uh, the three most um, the probably the three most uh, represented decks in the meta at the moment. Uh, you'll always see them no matter what in a tournament. You'll always see at least one of those decks be uh, number one or at least number two. Uh, you've got stuff like Invoker, you've got stuff like Blue Baby, Shinron, Mecha, uh, Mecha Frieza. You've got all those decks right there, um, just right outside that triangle of uh, top tier. I would uh, say Mecha's probably creeping into the triangle, just on um, pure number. I want to see how it does with the new stuff from Battle Evolution, stuff like Death Blaster, stuff like the new Mecha Frieza chain. So you can ditch the Aegis and you can just go for Mecha Frieza for more interruptions by just playing cards out of your opponent's hands and just uh, throwing them off tempo. You know that kind of stuff right there. That can give Mecha that can put Mecha Frieza in the top three, and make it a four. But uh, uh, you just have to see how that kind of stuff plays out right there, because it's still uh, up in the air if that stuff's even going to be good at the end of the day. But you, you know, and I agree with you with that too, because even though it can be a positive to have Aegis in the deck, it actually kind of hurts it as well because you got a lot of people. I, I saw Rodriguez and I saw Paladino go at it. 
and Paladino was just steamrolled because Rodriguez he would uh, final flash the the Katani or the uh, Bojack, and so it was just like he was all tapped out and he couldn't do anything. And so I feel like it is an advantage, but a crutch at the same time if you're playing against the person that knows the oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're playing against Aegis and a Mecha Freeze ability, it's whoever just sets off the Bojack first wins. But yeah. The Bojack is a crutch in the Aegis build because your deck's kind of sitting around this card that's just sitting on the board the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it can, I mean, it can get Kaioken. A lot, uh, like every King Piccolo is just maining, or just signing Kaioken now. And so is launch players. Now, certain... I think that they're maining that card. At least no, like one. I, I think John Carlo mained it because he was going into a best of one. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a smart idea. I didn't even think about right, doing that. Right, the best of one, you're right. I didn't even think about doing that. That, is, that. that was a really good power move, too. Well, I know one card that King Piccolo <clears throat> does main that people didn't really think about is the dang um, Omen Awakening. Oh yeah, dude! Uh, shout out to Justin Mills for that. <laughs> I even thought, what was it? I think it was you or Ernest brought it up that I should put Omen Awakening on my side. I was like, nah, that card's not that good. Mm-hmm. And no. then it just completely just bodied me, and I was just like, oh. Okay. No, no, I, I brought it up because I was just like, man, every time I get whooped by King Piglo, they have all seven lives. So at that point, it's just like, you know what? You always have your unison on board. It's a one drop denial of hope. You crit a life, of course, but at the same time. You got all your lives. You don't. You don't have to worry about creating one life. No, yeah, that, that is that is true. At the end of the day, so it is a good card. Um, but uh, for the webcam tournament, though, um, that was also a good match. Uh, best of ones. I got to actually uh, end before I went to bed. So mm-hmm. that's nice. It wasn't like twelve a.m. where I'm scrambling to get something to eat, uh, go drink and stuff like that, and then go back to my uh, go back to sleep and stuff like that. Oh, if it was a best of three, you would be. Uh, best of three. <laughs> Best of three, eight <laughs> rounds, I probably would have scooped after my, th- after my second or my third loss. I'd have been like, no, I'm good. I'm going to go to sleep now. Mm-hmm. That, that is such a nightmare. <laughs> no, you got prioritized with that one. So are you going to be continuing to play um, King Piccolo or Vegex? Because I know you got a couple of decks that are meta. I know you got Sin Shinron as well. What deck are you going to continue to play with for what reason? And then what uh, deck are you seeing in the future that you're going to play? This one. Oh, this man. <laughs> Alright, so in case there's a, a glare, it's I'll Android hope, 16. I hope nobody can see that I'm flashing Android 16. That's funny <laughs> to me. But uh, no, I'm going to play Android 16 uh, April 3rd, the one that's coming up next week. I think that's legal. I think Core TCGs has Battle Evolutions legal for that one. So I'm going to play Android 16. I'm going to try the deck out in the meta. I think it's going to have a really good solid footing in there. <clears throat> if I don't... Um, if I really need to get a win for an invite... I'll play King Piccolo. I still understand that deck extremely well. So, King Piccolo is always going to be a deck that I have built. It's uh, one of the few decks that after it rotates out of the meta, I'll probably Hall of Fame it. So, it's got rotates. I don't feel like that deck is ever going to rotate out the meta. I mean, if what about, well, we'll get into it a little bit later, but Bandai's starting to do legacy support, and I really like the fact that they're doing legacy support. So, if they keep that up, then it might actually just stay in the meta long, uh, for a very long time. But it'll, it'll always die down at some point. Burning Abyss died out at some point, so... I mean, I don't know, but here we go. In, in the hopes that I am controversial with this, because I am pretty biased against uh, King Piccolo. I mean, the the fact that King Piccolo just has all the answers, do you really think that it is going to just leave the meta? I mean, the, King Piccolo is already going to get support where they can play their unison for free. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you really think it's going to die out? Yeah. It's not for free, it's for one. But, um, uh, yes... Every card eventually, uh, at a card game, this is the thing that uh, the people have to understand. Power creep always exists. No matter what game you're playing, no matter if you're playing a fighting game, you're playing a card game, you're playing a gacha game, you're playing, a, you're playing even board games, even D&D games. But how can you power creep you just, a deck like King Piccolo? You just make something better. 
Bandai eventually will just make something that's better than that. Look at Mechie Bora. Mechie Bora's coming out next week. Uh-huh. Uh, or not next week. Oh my lord. <laughs> next set. <laughs> next next set. set. I'm pretty sure that deck will legitimately be number one. It will beat Dark Broly. It'll beat Launch and it'll beat King Piccolo. That it depends on the really that, just how resources them. That that deck looks like it has everything going for it and better. Ooh man! Well, I'm actually curious to see the interactions of that. I and mean, then, my, my opinion right now, I feel like King Piccolo is always going to be a top. I mean, we we do have views that have changed, and then Bandai comes out with certain support and stuff like that. I mean, look, we we all thought that Dark Broly was a rogue deck. And now it's sitting in the meta very nice and pretty. But uh, here we go. Do you think that King Piccolo is a helmet deck? No. If you if you think King Piccolo is a helmet deck, you should try playing that deck with, against actual people. People who go, oh, I'm a really good player at my locals because I play uh, some crap deck and uh, against all my crappy players at my crappy locals. Okay, congratulations. You're a crappy player. Uh, play King Piccolo against really good players. People like anybody else in Houston, or if you play anybody like actually good on TCG or on uh, Untap and stuff like that, like King Piccolo is a very hard deck to to, to maneuver around. You just don't go unga boonga drum, uh, make it all four drums on a field, and you win game. No, you you can lose pretty hard by doing that. <laughs> you, have, you have to manage it. Like King Piccolo is a resource management deck. You have to manage everything that you're doing because if you make a wrong step, you lose. You're only playing with three life. You wake in at two life or two cards face up, you can easily lose to a, a, a reboot Gohan at that point. For you sure. know, it's, it's funny that you say that too, because now that you've described that, it seems like you were describing all the decks that are in the meta right now. You got Mecha Frieza, in which you, you need to know how to resource in order to win the game. Mm-hmm. You got Dark Broly as well. Even though Dark Broly, I feel like it's a little bit more helmet than all the other meta decks, you still need to know what cards to play and what time to play them. You got Blue Baby. Definitely, you need to know what to counterplay and what not. And Invoker. And it seems like all the decks in the meta right now are actually not as helmet as people think. Yeah. Especially with like stuff like Mecha Frieza and Invoker. Those decks are extremely hard to pilot. Like That's why there's only two people who always top with Invoker because nobody else has the intelligence to run that deck like they do. And that's not a shot at anybody. That deck is just, like, legitimately, like, I couldn't even understand how to play that deck half the time. Like, uh, you know, like, like just said, Matt and uh, Legends, they know how to pilot Invoker better than anybody else. And that's why they always show up on the top with it. And you've got people playing Mecha Frieza. Mecha Frieza is a control deck, but the problem with Mecha Frieza is that you have to understand every other deck in the meta and every other rogue deck in the meta, too. To see what to counter, yeah. If you, if, you don't know, if you don't know a matchup, you can just easily lose because you don't know what you're hitting anymore at this point. True. No, that's very true. And then, you know what? This question keeps on coming up and rearing its ugly head, no matter if it's on Facebook, no matter if it's in person or whatnot, and I already have an opinion. Now, let me hear your opinion on no, this No, you one. don't need a band set to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, do you think Invoker needs support? Oh, yes, easily. That deck is legitimately... Uh, that thing is legitimately struggling to stay in the. the what meta. is wrong with you? Like Invoker tops, and you got Matt Sublet who gets only, number one that still says it needs support. I'll I'll say it like this: it, it's the argument that I have with people who think that uh, Smash Brothers Melee is a is a viable is a, is a viable meta game at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, it's um, you have reached the pinnacle point where Invoker is now two years old, right? Invoker's what? Two years old. Two, two years old. old. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, yeah. it's it's got some Invoker. It's a year old. A year old. Okay, yeah. Invoker's a year old right now, right? Uh, at this point in the game, it's shown that it can stay in the meta. It needs support, it needs legacy support, and the reason why is because you have the same two people topping over and over again, and you reach a point where now anybody who wants to learn how to play Invoker, it's pretty much almost impossible for them to play Invoker because Invoker is now so expensive. And anybody who does also has to get to the same level where these two people have been playing Invoker for over a year now. And now you're gonna re- you cannot reach the same heights that they are reaching because while you're trying to while by the time you hit a year it'll be two years for them understanding Invoker, 
and you'll never be able to the same mindset that they will always be in. I mean, true, but at the same time, with what you just specified, the cards are already expensive as is, so that's one thing that deters people away from getting the deck. Mm -hmm. If you do, if Bandai does bring out support for Invoker, that's just going to skyrocket all the other prices, and so it's just going to be unattainable at that point. I think that uh, the reason why I say that is because Bandai's showing, but we'll get into it later too as well, Bandai's showing that they have the ability to now want to reprint more stuff with Battle Evolutions, the anniversary set, and uh, we're getting into, or not anniversary set, the collection set, and now we're going to get into the anniversary set soon, where they have a, where it looks like they might be hinting at more reprints. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, reprinting uh, Invoker stuff isn't, uh, isn't out of the question anymore. I think it's a viable option to reprint uh, some of this Invoker stuff. Well, if you think it's a viable option, what do you think that the deck needs in order to not only stay in the meta, but have other people want to play Invoker in the meta? I think Invoker, they should have a uh, the ability to focus more on their um, burn route, because I think the burn route's their best route. Oh, of course. There's no interactions yeah. with it. I think they should have a unison. Not a unison with Invoker. All you people who ask for a unison with Invoker are legitimately <laughs> retarded. That would be the most game-breaking unison in the world. It really would. Because A, it would be it would be red-blue, so that means, you can, that means you can play Trunks, and you can play Yamcha. And that already alone is already annoying. Yeah. But, um, you can give it a unison. Have the unison help out with uh, managing the top of your deck, or managing your, uh, your graveyard and your warp. So that way you can uh, always manage your extra cards, uh, help with draw or help with top or something like that. Give it a unison that can really help it out. You don't need to ex expedite their plays. Turn five for uh, Invoker is not out of the question. Actually, okay, so when I asked Matt Sublet the same question, he told me that he did, it, it had nothing to do with the unison. If there was going to be support for Invoker, you know how those extra cards that are in the drop area, you warp them, you look at the top card of the deck, if it's a dual color, extra card, bring it to hand. He says that there should be a card like that, but instead of looking at the top card of your deck, when you warp it, you play the T.O.P. from the deck. What do you think about that? I, uh, Because the fact that your leader card has the activate battle to pitch and cycle, you can easily ooh, put that card in I the drop that, area, I that card does and then that you too. can warp, and then bring T.O.P., and then still have an energy open for like defensive plays. I think that that is a very... That is also a very good uh, support type as well. I forget, that you, I forget that you pitch when you... Yeah, but we're in the current state. We're like Yu-Gi-Oh! now, where we have to be... Um, we have to be busted to be good. Like, if, if you're not busted, you're not going to see... You're going to be seen in the meta anymore. And... Um, True. I think that's a very... I think that is actually a very good support option, because it does leave them an energy open. It means that they're always going to see TLP, because of the fact that... Um, I did play... When I played Legends this week, or this, uh, this Saturday... Uh, he didn't see uh, top of turn one, so when he swung, he was digging for top. So if he didn't find top on his draw, then that was going to be bad for him, because that means he was going to go into turn three with no top. Exactly, and, and T.O.P., no matter how many times people say, you know, oh, you don't need it to win, or the best players actually learn how to play without it, it's still it, it's still an essential thing to the deck. Yeah. So when Matt Silver said that, you know, I was looking, and I was thinking about it, and I was just like... At one time, that's OP because you're filtering, you're looking at your cards, you're rearranging it. But at the same time, I feel like it's better defensively because if you don't see T.O.P. turn one, let's say you see it turn two, you got to tap an energy, play the field card. You have one energy still open 
but when it comes to all the aggro decks in the meta you can actually lose or dang near lose turn two so being able to play for free and having two energies open can actually allow invoker players to play one of the most op negates in the game topo because i mean who wants to discard two cards every time they swing so it can save them at least one more turn to get to their turn three where they play their vegetos awaken and then actually have invoker live you know that, that, that is a very good statement too as well for uh invoker uh, and plus uh being just being another multi-card too if they have top already it's a multi-color card so they can just charge it mm-hmm. it's never dead it's never dead in your hand, and if you um, and if you discard it, it can just be another card. I mean, I would, I would, I would agree with Matt Slavitt. I would also say that if you warp it, you can either choose to search for a TOP or still look at the top card of your deck if it's a multi like, card. Give it another game. option. Yeah, give it, give it, give it at least two modes. So I think they need a unison. I think they need a unison that helps them, and I think they need. Uh, I do agree with Matt, and I think that they should get an extra card that either searches out TOP or still keeps the same modes that all the uh, multi-color cards do. I feel like if they get a unison, though, I don't think that right off the bat it should have the keyword skill invoker. I think the unison should be one of those where if you if this unison has two or three markers on it, gain the keyword skill invoker. You know, I don't think the some... unison should be able to swing. It should be like a, a super Shenron. Oh, where you, this card cannot attack, but you you have all these abilities. Yeah, I think it should be, uh, if it is like a super Shenron card, I think it should be Android uh, 17. Where it's the winning pose, where he has like a, a super Shenron right behind him, right as soon as the anime ended, where they had the Shenron and all the balls, and it's just Android seventeen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think it should be that that card. Where that would I'm, be badass. I know. I keep t- keep pitching that idea because somebody abandoned needs to fucking make the card. <laughs> well, there's a card that was like restore the universes. That card got no play. Yeah. No. Please stop making cards with that with really good artwork with no play. Yeah. Uh, there, there's legit. Hey, we're talking about you, uh, four drop uh, SPR Majin Vegeta. Uh, and you know what? It's funny that you say uh, with the, the art styles with no play because it seems as though Bandai actually recycled one of their art uh, off of the Trunks card. So the very first expansion pack that came out was a Trunks that actually searched the top seven for a Vegito. And that same art was actually put on the revamp oh, yeah. of the Prospect card. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't understand. They did a good job. Stop, ma- stop making good artwork with bad cards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. But... I think um, I think with all the supports and all the decks, I think the meta is definitely in a good stop bot right now. I think the meta in general is just healthy. But um, enough about from my perspective, actually more of an interesting perspective as a commentator. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you gauge like for PPG Miami at the beginning? You know when you're watching all the decks, you're watching all the plays, watching all the interactions. You know, were you able to kind of like gauge how the uh, opponents were going to interact with each other based on your experiences? Like what kind of experiences did you see that were different than what you normally see? So, when I commentate and I'm looking at these players, obviously, you know, some of these players I don't actually know, you know, some of the well-known players. So, whatever I see the leaders slap down on that mat, instantly I already have an ideology of how the game is going to go. Because, you know, just like every other player, you need to know other decks and how to, to beat them, their weaknesses. So, just by the leader alone, I have an idea. Now, when they start actually playing certain cards... That's when it opens up, oh snap, he's not even going that route, or it's a completely different strategy, or I never even thought of it that way. And the difference between me whenever they slap down the leader and me whenever I'm shocked can be very significant based off of the actual pilot that is actually running the deck. Because I I was astounded the first time I ever saw Joey Palladino playing. The dude was playing against Juha, and he was playing Red Broly. And Red Broly had such a massive board. 
but Paladino two owed him. And I was like, how? That's impossible because I'm thinking Red Broly's got it on lock. But with all the draw power, because he was playing uh, the Gohan. The skill with is the, Gohan. Yeah. yeah, the skill is Gohan. But with all the draw power and the way that he was comboing, the way that he was playing his cards, I just, I never would have thought of it that way. And that, after that, I wanted to get a skillless Gohan leader and have him sign it. Because, like, it, it was just a great experience. I mean, just seeing him play and how he played to just not only get around that field and all those blockers, but to get the W not once, but twice without losing against Red Broly. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, uh, whenever you see, like, 70 tit lately, like Joey, when he took, because he was talking about, I think he talked about skillless Gohan the week before he showed up to Miami. You know, mm. I was definitely interested to see how it would shape up in here. And seeing it against Red Broly like that, and him just kind of, you know, masterfully piloted a deck that nobody saw coming. Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely speaks uh, for a lot of people who just don't understand a deck. You know, and being able to watch it unfold before your eyes is just something that's legitimately, like, you know, interesting. I'd like to say, like, you know, I think very minute. It's interesting. Oh, yeah. Right. No, it's awesome. It, it's, it's, you know, a pleasure for me as a commentator to see all these type of the play styles. Because, you know... When it comes to to play testing, everybody's got to play test in order to get better. I feel like commentating is a form of that. Even though I don't have the actual like cardboard in my hand, but the fact that I'm seeing different plays, I'm seeing different options on how to play these cards, I think elevates my game even more just by watching and of course talking about the interaction and what's actually going on between the two players. Mm-hmm. I think a, a question that a lot of people don't under that don't they don't really ask get get asked a lot but I think a lot of people uh, are just generally the reason why they kind of gravitate towards commentating. Uh, whenever you're commentating, usually in like a finals match or something like that, and some massive play happens, something bombastic, something so big that it like people would go back to remember it. Like uh, I think the, the the number one play that I always go back to. Uh, there's like two number one plays in like history for games that go back to me. Uh, that would be the. Um, uh, fight, uh, the uh, the fighting games uh, the uh, what was it uh, Evo Evo moment uh, 27 I think it's called the one where um, uh, he was able to uh, parry all of Chun-Li's ultimate and then win the game off of it oh yes yeah. oh, the one, yeah, the one yeah, Evo moment 27 I think it is and then um, the uh, Yu-Gi-Oh World Championships where the guy makes three totally awesome it's past his turn and then he uh, top decks the sphere mode and sphere modes all three of the uh Totally awesome. Yes, I remember that. Oh, yeah, nostalgia. That's yeah, what it is right there. How, how does it feel as a commentator to kind of like, you know, create the hype around those moments? I think a lot of people don't understand what it is to commentate. I think people think, oh, you know, I can commentate. Anyone can commentate. Anyone can just talk and just, you know, have talk about experiences and just make a funny and talk tell jokes. Uh, me, personally, I, I take pride when it comes to commentating there's just so many factors that that go into actually commentating and i think that's what has gotten me you know this far with it i mean i wouldn't be this far if it wasn't for for people viewing but i try to make it as entertaining as possible for people watching it's like a it's an art form of mine i believe and so when it comes to big plays you want to make it memorable you want to make it something that People can rewatch the last, you know, the five seconds of it because it was either that funny, because it was either that momentous, because it was just something that rings in their head, kind of like what you just specified, the pairing of Chung Lee's moves or the sphere molding the three totally awesomes. It's just something that people want to continue reliving. 
And so me as a commentator, I feel like it is my job to make sure that I make more of those memories because that's what's going to help us in the long run in the future. The memories, the stories that you can tell, you know, when you're when you're talking about this uh, later down the line, 10 years ago or into the future. And you tell somebody, man, I remember this one time, man, this commentator that would not shut up. That, you know, Selzino was playing and he started singing and, you know, it's just some of those experiences I want to develop and I want to make sure that anyone who watches the stream is having as much of a good time as I am streaming. It's like, it's, I want to make it entertaining for them and of course everybody who watches it makes it easy for me whenever they message, you know, in the chat and whatnot. So yeah, no, definitely I think it is our job as commentators because I'm not the only commentator out there. But it is our job as commentators to make sure there are more memories that, that are out there that, that people can go back on to, to just have that much value when it comes to Dragon Ball Super. That's very good wordly put it like that. Uh, so for commentation like that, you, you've, you've commentated uh, for, for a very long time, all the way from like your start in Senpai's, for a while, all the way yeah. to now from, from you know PBG Miami, the PBG event that we had yesterday and Saturday. And stuff like that. Is there ever like a moment like where someone did something that stood out to you? Something that you would think is like, you know, a play that you know you kind of like just don't forget about? Uh, I'm trying to think. I guess because what I had just explained, I try to make so many of those memories that sometimes those memories kind of get lost with all the other ones. But uh, I remember when I first started at Senpai's and how it was just so much work for me to try to get that first stream in front of that camera. And uh, as soon as they finally gave me a shot and they, they finally viewed it at the end of the stream, they, you know, they called me up and they said, hey, I want you doing this full time. And then from there, I just started getting better and better understanding, commentating and whatnot. But I want to say at the very beginning, when we started Team Wars unofficially, whenever Raul ended up calling out Raul on Team Godstrike, one of the teams here in Houston, ended up calling out Evan. And at the time, Evan was not playing Invoker. He was playing uh, the Victory Strike deck that came out from T.O.P. So the five drop going into the hope and stuff like that. So he was playing all that. And uh, just every, it seemed like every single time he was defending his title, he was always able to Victory Strike. And I think those moments were the moments I remember the most because Evan would literally on stream say, I'm going to Victory Strike you. And then on stream, you would see it and he would swing in combo out sometimes you would see people scoop up before he can finish comboing out and whatnot i'm like man i need a cigarette after this because he done victory strike again so it, it it is those moments i think were the most memorable ones whenever you know he just kept on swinging in with victory strike and people just really they would say they're gonna stop you they would say that you're not gonna victory strike me but he always found a way to victory strike his opponents no, yeah, it's a, it's definitely interesting that we've moved like past. Like it, it's like, looking back on everything. I think you're right for because commentators do create the, the the moments in past and stuff like that. Um, would you say that uh, games uh, that are usually live stream and stuff like that? Would you say it's about a fifty percent player, fifty percent commentation, or would you say it's more on the commentator than it is the player? Uh oh, that's a very good question. Um, because at the same time, I. I do not want to take any credit away from the players. I really, really don't. But I think it's leaning a little bit more toward commentating. Let me explain why. You can have the best game plays in the world with the best players, the, the best ideologies, the best pilot, whatever you want to say. But if the commentating is not there, 
a lot of people will just exit out of the window. And I'm actually one of those people. I'm, I'm a hard, hard critic on myself. So I love watching gameplay. So if I'm watching a gameplay and, you know, I'm, I'm hearing the commentating and the guy's like, oh, he drew a card. Oh, hey, that was a good play. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, the other guy didn't have a chance. Instantly, I'm thinking, you know what? I, I don't want to watch this. Like, what is the point of watching this? You know, I'm watching the plays and the, he's not making the plays as big as they should be. So, boom, you just lost the view right there. So that, that's why I say that when it comes to commentating, people don't understand the the factors of going into a stream. It is our job to make it to where the people, it's so hard for them to exit out that window. That is so hard for them to, to not watch. And so I've had people message me, one guy from Australia, that it was like 3 a.m. over there. And the guy literally said, you're so good at commentating, I'm going to put on a pot of coffee so I could finish watching this, you know? <laughs> so that's why I say it leans more toward commentating because it's, the, it's what the commentator says that engages the audience. Because I've had people tell, you know, on, on the Facebook page, I'm tired of commentators that don't talk about what's happening on play. I'm tired of commentators that don't know what's happening interaction-wise. Or I'm tired of you guys that are off topic instead of commentating on Dragon Ball Super because you're supposed to be a Dragon Ball Super commentator. So I, I've heard everything under the sun and I take everything that I hear and I apply it to my own commentating. So don't, don't get me wrong, I'll digress a little bit too because I believe there's three pillars of commentating that need to be met. You know, you got one that's based off of what is actually happening on the screen. You got one that's based off of experiences, your own experiences, whether playing the deck, playing against the deck. And then the third and final pillar is your audience. I love interacting with my audience. And the audience, whenever you, you, I feel that the audience is getting comfortable with me is when I get more and more people commenting to the point where I'll try to backtrack and I can't scroll back that far anymore. You know, I love that. And so, yes, I do, to answer your question, I think it's more on the commentating side than the actual gameplay. And I think it's a, it's a little bit more percentage. I'm talking like a good, I want to say a good maybe 75, 25. Like I said, not to take away from the players, but I hear a lot of people just exit out the window when they just don't hear what they want to hear on stream. I think I can agree with you on that. Like... Well, I would say the same thing for, like, when you put it to, like, a real event and stuff like that. I, well, I would say more to it. If you look at it from, like, a sports perspective, too. Exactly. Like, uh, I wouldn't say the, the people who are doing the announcing and commentating, but I think, like, whenever you're watching sports, the audience is your commentator. Like, imagine if someone, like, like just say for soccer and stuff like that, like, um, somebody just, like, you know, is able to just, like, like just knock the ball right out of there. And um, the whole audience is just quiet. Or if you're watching, like, football and someone's, like, able to intercept run 100 yards down and win... Uh, and win right before they hit overtime and stuff like that. The whole audience is quiet and stuff like that. You can have the most amazing plays in the game, but if it's quiet, it's boring, and there's nobody doing anything, you kind of it just kind of dies down, and people just want to go home because well, there's there's no there's no excitement, no interaction, no nothing. If you look at sports right now, you're seeing that because there's empty stadiums. You know, viewer ratings have gone down significantly because of that. Uh, if you ever watch any sports highlights. Like the most iconic moments in sports are followed by the commentation. So, like, I think basketball, I'm a big basketball fan. Any Michael Jordan highlight, any LeBron James highlight, they have the commentators 
with the like the most iconic like sayings like uh, LeBron James sucked the gravity out of the building right like those things <laughs> stick with you and you automatically know the play right sports and commentating go hand in hand and I think to your credit the same thing for now especially with Twitch and, and online streams card games esports these things need commentation because it sets the precedence it sets the vibe of the play if you just watch a play with no commentation and you're like if you know what's going on yeah you're like oh that was great but if you don't know what's going on you're just like oh, i don't i don't know what's going on here i, exactly. I guess that's a good play but exactly. i don't know exactly so like for you to be like on top of what's going on 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 plays because mm-hmm. i know prior to this like the last two three years when we had like regionals just happening there was a a commentary i don't remember his name i'm not gonna say any names but they would be side talking and then they would get lost on whose turn it was or who's swinging and watching it's like "Mm, i wish they knew more Mm -hmm. what was going on for you to be on top of that because if somebody's trying to learn the game somebody's trying to watch to see if they like the game Mm -hmm. and they can't get walk through what's going on they don't know what high level is like what are you doing mm-hmm. and i think uh well up to his credit like with twitch becoming the biggest streaming platform now this is probably the best way that people who've never played the game can introduce the game without buying cards True. or you know having to having to, to you know make the commitment to get into the, to buy expensive cards mm-hmm. to get into the game only to find out that you don't like the way the game plays and stuff like that exactly. and you know with twitch too as well um, there's a guy I watch on Twitch. Uh, he doesn't play Dragon Ball. He plays Hearthstone. Yeah, he's Lieutenant Eddie. I don't play Hearthstone anymore. I watch his videos because I like who he is as a person. He engages with the audience. You know, he's able to you know turn a boring game into an interesting game. I'm able to stick to the screen. I'm able to follow what's happening. I'm able to you know enjoy not only just uh, you know um, interacting with chat, but I'm also being able to interact with uh, the uh, with the, him as well. You know, and I think that's uh, I think majority of his content isn't just Hearthstone; it's just the person. And I think that's the same thing for you. I think the I think I do agree with you. I think majority of the content from watching somebody play games is uh, majority of the time it's the person who's talking mm-hmm. over the gameplay itself. No, and and like I say, you know, time and time again, much love to everybody who who says stuff like that. I mean, it really does encourage me as a commentator to put out more. Uh, streams more commentate I mean it's good feedback for me me you know uh, my family is ex-military so when it comes to I'm no stranger to feedback you know I'd rather you tell me to my face what I can do to help improve stream improve myself improve the commentating than not tell me anything and then I go nowhere I'm kind of like plateauing so I mean I think this right here was it was actually refreshing too because People don't normally see uh, see commentators as just like people. Just oh, it it comes along with the stream. It's like tagged along, and um, there's like a, it's kind of like we're hidden. It's like a hidden uh, how do you say that? Like behind the scenes type of guy, but not really because that's the voice of the stream. So this is very refreshing that I'm actually on the interview seat, you know, <laughs> because I'm normally doing the the interviewing to to other people and and making sure that you know everybody's having an a good time and so it's just it's just refreshing and it is natural for me I mean I taught uh, I was in a school and I taught students for four years and I taught physics and chemistry so I was just like man how can I make this entertaining for students that really don't want to be here so I had that same mentality with commentating how can I make this entertaining for the people that are watching this that aren't here to continue watching this stream and of course when it comes to commentating you gotta know your stuff 
I mean, me, I have, there have been times, I'm not going to lie, there have been times where I have my phone next to me because maybe it was a new set. Normally when a new set comes out, that's when I'm starting to see new cards and I'm starting to learn them. But as a commentator, I think what helps me thrive as well is the fact that I have all this knowledge on these cards because I've played since day one, since the game came out. So I know these cards. I know what they do. I mean, granted, I don't know the actual name of these cards, but I know their effects, you know, and I, w I know what they do. And I can bring up other stuff. And as a commentator, I like bringing new information. Like when I was at PPG, uh, there was a guy, he, he's Robbie. Robbie, another good player in, in, the, in Dragon Ball Super. When I was saying something about the keyword skill deflect, he looked at me and said, oh, snap, I didn't know that. So a lot of people, they think that deflect is just on play when you're playing the card. Deflect is kind of like a keyword skill passive because yes, whenever you play the card, it's unaffected by counterplay skills. But when it's on the board, it is still unaffected by counterplay skills. So if someone wants to Yamcha counterplay and then choose it to negate by 15, you can't because it has deflect. So deflect protects it from being, you know, from the hand being played and when it's already on board. So with that, Robbie looked at me, he was just like, oh man, that's good information. And so I like that. As a commentator, I'm giving good information to help elevate players' games. You know, I'm giving the information that not only works on game mechanics as well, helps them understand interactions. And I think that's what it's all about, me helping, because at the end of the day, when it comes to commentating, you know, we really don't get as many praises or thanks when we first start out but man, when we screw up, man, we get all the runt of it and all the criticism. Man. Yeah, check is ballistic whenever someone messes up. Oh yeah, that's what I like about being a chat person. Mm -hmm. It's just, but I think, uh, I think the, the the final question I want to ask you, I think it's the thing that everybody, you know, everybody knows you for your commentation. Where you mm -hmm. come up with the names, dog? <laughs> <laughs> you got you got two things that going for you. You got the naming of all your cards, and you got the golly. Uh, well, I my, guess my favorite thing about watching chat whenever you on stream is just. But everybody just decides to play the drinking game. How many take a shot? Oh, yeah. and says golly. <laughs> I like to see it all the time in chat. You know, and I think it's I think it's hilarious. I think it's fun. Whenever you got an audience that I can joke around with, you know, it makes being on stream that much more fun. Like the time flies so fast. When I blinked, it was the end of the tournament. I was like, oh man, I want to continue doing this. You know, and I've had people, you know, say, dang, the tournament is over. I wanted to hear more. So me having fun with the audience, it, it just allows me to just be comfortable and, and just do my thing. And then whoever's co-commentating with me, they feel that energy. It's contagious. And so they just let their hair down as well. But uh, these nicknames, they come about because of the, the fact that I want to make it entertaining for you guys. You know, the, everything is kind of like a domino effect. I want to entertain you guys. How do I go about doing that? You guys, you've seen all these cards time and time again. You guys that are very competitive, you, you know, as a competitive player, you've played King Piccolo, I don't know how many ways you've played against the mirror match. You know what all these cards do. So the fact that you play a drum, I'm just like, oh man, this King Piccolo done played another drum. No, I go ahead, man, that card looks like a green Snorlax, dude. He's swinging in, he's going hyper beam on you, boom, you know, go ahead and swing. And it's just something that just comes off the top of my head. You know, something that makes it funny a little bit. Like when piano was played, man, this Petrie right here, he played the Petrie. He keeps on reoccurring himself. Um, and then the nicknames that come about too, like um, the limp wrist. You know, everybody knows that when you're in a competitive field, no one hardly says your turn or past turn. They literally just, they take their hand, 
and they just waft their hand towards you. And you, that's supposed to signify it's your turn. So I'm just like, the, that's the limp wrist right there. They just threw the limp wrist at you. You should know that that is your turn. Or whenever, you know, you got the slaps. That's another nickname that has come up here in H-Town where if you're trying to extend your plays or you're trying to go for game and you swing with a one drop, we call that a slap. Because normally it wouldn't do any damage. It's the combo that you put behind there that's going to do the damage. So, and then, of course, my signature word, golly, you know, that's just something that came out because of me personally, you know, with my lifestyle and whatnot, I don't curse. You know, I feel like my vocabulary is very verbose, very vast, and I don't need to use words like that. And so when I commentate, you know, you'll see that part of me, you know, uh, radiate. I don't like using words like that. It's a PG stream. I want kids to be able to listen to this, too, with their parents and have a fun time with it. And, and you know, now that I say that, there was actually one person that messaged on Facebook saying, oh, man, you know, PR sign, you did a wonderful job. I actually was sitting down watching this with my mom and she was laughing. She didn't even know what was going on. But the fact that you made jokes and made it entertaining, you know, she enjoyed herself, too. So the nicknames, they come about because of the fact that I want to make it entertaining for everybody. Um, of course, my name, PR Sign, that's come from my favorite card in the game. Still my favorite card. I'm just waiting in the wings for Bandai to come out with some support to make it viable again. It's Sun Goku Sign Ultra Instinct. And as soon as I saw that card, I knew that card was just going to be phenomenal. The card has an effect whenever it evolves. Um, all of your opponent's battle cards go back to the hand. It doesn't say the word choose. So even the cards with barrier go back to hand. And when you swing... If they don't negate, your opponent cannot combo. And it's a triple strike, and I'm like, I love this card. I've, I've won plenty of games with this card, so I'm like, you know what? I want my name on stream to have something to do with sign. And then watching uh, fighting games, because I'm a big fighting game fan, watching Street Fighter, I would see PR Balrog. So I'm just like, you know what? I like that PR. You know, he's from Puerto Rico. I'm going to go ahead and tag it on to, to me. So PR sign came from that. And um, like I said, all these other nicknames and all these other phrases about, you know, man, I need an oxygen tank or I need to get a cigarette after this one. They're not literal, but they just are there to show, you know, it exaggerates how big of a play was made or how big of a game was played in order for me to say something like that. So I'm just like, it, it all stems from entertainment and making sure that you guys have fun and not click out of that window. It's fair. No, it's a very fair statement. You're but, kind of the unsung hero, I would say. Of dude, I was going to say the same thing, but street. I'm just thinking my words, dog. <laughs> Great minds, bro. Great minds. Great minds, bro. But no, honestly, at the end of the day, uh, people who are behind the scenes, uh, you know, making it interesting, you know, everybody talks about gameplay, everybody talks about, uh, you know, this play, that play, but it's the commentators at the end of the day that bring the hype to everything. Because you get to live in the hype of the moment right there. No, definitely. And I, I want to, since we're talking about this commentating, I definitely want to give a shout out to the people that have given me you know, the chance, people that give me the support, you know, definitely we got David. Unfortunately, his shop did go under. He is trying to get it back online. But that's where I got my start from, you know. Senpais, at first, you know, they, they didn't want to put me on stream. They didn't know. They asked me for my experiences commentating. And I told them, I said, well, I do got experience commentating, you know, with fighting games. It wasn't official or anything like that. It wasn't on stream or whatnot. But I would commentate here and there for fighting games. And, um, you know, he gave me my big break. And then after that, he didn't want anybody else. He, he wanted a co-commentator with me because, of course, it's easier on me that way. But there have been plenty of times where I would commentate by myself. 
but definitely shout out to David, you know, for giving me my, my shot. And then from there, getting better, steamrolling, and then definitely want to give a shout out to Jonathan over here because when Jonathan was putting together an orchestrating tournament of power for Houston, you know, he messages me, I message him as well, and he says, man, there's no one I can think of to do this commentating but you. And so it's just like he gave me another shot to, to expand my experiences and my knowledge. And of course, whenever his team got sponsored, because he is part of Salt Boys, he got sponsored by a card shop called Lotus Gaming Store. And then, of course, the same thing. Hey, you know, PR sign, I want you to commentate for my store. And uh, there's going to be another Team War event, which actually we can go ahead and say yes. you know, the Team Wars, we have a lot of teams here in Houston. And when it comes to teams, man, everybody's got pride. You know, everybody's got that pride. Hey. They want to show what the teams have got. Just mm-hmm. real quick, I want to throw some shade. Oh. Only, there are only two teams in Houston. Lethal and Salt Boys. Do you, want to know why the are, <laughs> do you want to know why the other ones aren't teams? Because they don't have a store sponsor. That's oh, true. That's very true. I mean, yeah, if you're going by that, because teams, you know, sponsoring and stuff like that, yeah, but we can go with the technicalities, but there's a quite a bit of amount of teams we have here in Houston, and um, we're, we're making it to where it's going to be the next big thing where we call other teams out. We actually do like a 5v5. We get the best members from the team. And some of them thinking about making side bets, throwing money on it. But it's another big thing. And guess what? My man right here says there's nobody else that I want to commentate these team wars than you. So definitely it puts a nice... Uh, encouragement, nice warming my heart. Much love to all these guys. And definitely got to give a shout out to, to George Machado because we've had a lot of people ask for commentating, especially PPG asking who wants to commentate. And everybody in Houston would back me up and support me and say PR sign. And they'll tag me on it too. But then the thing is, I'm not the only commentator in this world. So then after that, it gets lost within all the other players saying, oh, he's a good commentator. He's a good commentator. He's a good commentator. So... Finally, I got a shot. My Actually, my very first shot commentating for George was a webcam event. Mm-hmm. It I was when it, Yeah, it was at the beginning of the pandemic, and I had to borrow a mic <laughs> uh, from Senpais. And when I borrowed it, I went in. It was through webcam or through Discord, and I was commentating with Dehan. I was commentating with Dehan and actually George himself, and it was a whole day event. I mean, I still enjoyed myself, but as a commentator, I like being there in the action. You know, of course, smelling the cardboard. You know, I want to be there in person. But I really didn't get a good enough experience. For my debut commentating, I didn't think it did the job. I think that was mainly because it was at the beginning of the... the it was kind of at the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. And it was also uh, untapped. And untapped's just not that... Uh... And you commentated with Dehan and George. <laughs> I mean, George is good. Dehan's good, but they don't match your yeah. style. You well, know what and, I mean? And I and I noticed that too because I notice whenever I commentate, if someone is there with me, like by my side, they'll feel the vibe. Correct. We can always give each other cues and and you know pull each other, ask questions and stuff like that. But when it came to over Discord, the problem was sometimes we would talk over each other. True. And me as a commentator, I'm. I like I don't like controlling it. It just naturally happens. But man, when I get into it, I'm like, man, this man is taking this leader. He's swinging in with 15k power. Is the opponent gonna go ahead and respond within the gate? No. Is he gonna block? Okay, he's gonna go ahead and proceed to comboing. So, so the thing was, like, sometimes I can overpower people commentating if they're not there with me. Yeah. And so it wasn't until I finally got my big debut 
when I messaged George and I told it was like a week before Miami and I messaged him and I said, Do you need a commentator? And he said, You know what? I actually do. Let me go ahead and see and, and I'll message you later. And so fingers crossed it was, you know, you were gonna go to the PPG Miami Invitational, and I was just like, this would be a great opportunity to showcase what I got as a commentator. So whenever, oh man, I'm never gonna forget this. I was in the tournament at Galaxy Gaming, which is actually a Team Lethal sponsor, and uh, I lost my first game. I was playing against the monster. It was a fun deck, but I lost. And you know, I lost, yeah, you just shrug it off or whatnot. But what really helped me shrug off that loss was when George messaged me the picture of the advertisement for PPG Miami and my face was on there. I'm not gonna lie, mm -hmm. we do the finger game all the time, and when he comes over and calls me, he's like, "You gotta take this out." I thought I was gonna get finger game for a minute. I thought he was just gonna go like this. Oh yeah, with the little yeah. I'm just sitting over here, just like man, I better <laughs> not get waste. I better not get got it over here. And yeah, no, that picture really put a big smile on my face. I showed, of course, our sponsors. They were ecstatic, and it was just like it was amazing. It was awesome because not only do we have you, our meta player, on the team going to the invitationals. But then we, we had me also on our team commentating going to Miami as well. So, you know, I definitely, at the drop of a hat, flew to Miami, you know, met up with you. And uh, it was just an amazing experience. I walked into PPG and it, it's an amazing card shop. It really is. I walked in there and you will never believe my first experience walking into PPG was seeing Matt Sublet looking at me just like, Bro, what are you doing? And it's just like, oh, I'm here to commentate, man. He's just like, oh, that's awesome. And we're just going back and forth. And when I finally went in, you know, his his friend, uh, Giancarlo, this was the first time I met him. And, you know, he uh, now I know he's a phenomenal player, but he didn't want to play. And he was just like, wait, you're the commentator. And I said, yeah, I'm the commentator. He's like, well, I might be commentating with you. And I said, okay, cool. Uh, I already knew that at the time I was going to be commentating with Espira. And I've seen content from him. I didn't know who he was, but I knew of him because he actually played the Future Trunks and I would look at his build too and then build upon that and stuff. But whenever I found out that his speed I was not going to be in person, I'm not going to lie, a tear, you know, a tear came down my eye and I was just <laughs> like, man, I want to meet this guy. I don't think I would be starstruck, but at the same time, you know, much love goes out to a lot of people who throw out content like it takes a lot to throw out content, whether it's streaming, whether it's podcasts. And so, because it, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes money, and everybody knows time is money. So it's just like, definitely shout out to, to those guys in particular. But I remember the next day, uh, Giancarlo came in and said, bro, it looks like I'm going to commentate with you. And I'm not going to lie, I just stared him down. I was just like, wait, you, you're going to commentate with me? And, I, and it sucks because I didn't want to make it seem like I was just like, Dang it, I don't want him to commentate. I didn't want to make it seem like that. I'm just like, in my head, I'm thinking, you're a great player. You could easily top at this event and get the prizes. Why do you want to commentate with me? Like, <laughs> So I was I was thinking in that manner. And uh, I he said, no, man, I want to commentate. I want to see what you got. And and uh, before we commentated, before we started that tournament, I, I wanted to talk to Espira and I wanted to talk to Giancarlo, just us three. And my, my reasoning for that was because I know how I am commentating and I don't want to blindside any of these guys. And I was like, look guys, I bring in a lot of hype. I'm just gonna let you know right now, it is contagious. You, you will eventually just throw yourselves within the commentating, but I just wanna let you know if, you know, if I hear that some of you guys aren't really talking as much 
or whatnot, I will bring you in by asking you questions and I want you to elaborate. Give me your experience. You know, as a commentator, it's okay to not like something or to detest something, but I really did like what you said at the beginning of the podcast that you're a person that that criticizes a lot, but you're not gonna ex- accentuate a problem without giving a solution. Mm-hmm. I really like that from you. And as a commentator, I, I told them that. I was just like, it's okay to not like something, but give them your reasoning as to why. Because there's a lot of cards that I could, I could say on stream, I've hated. Like one card I hate is Prospect, man. I hate that card with a passion. I hated Shagesh when it was legal. Like there's a lot of cards I hated, but I also gave a reasoning for it. You know, and I think that was a thing that they had grasped and it made the commentating great. So great, in fact, that we had people coming in to commentate with us. We had Robbie come in. We had Cam come in. We had Matt Sublet come in. And it was it was just a really good and fun time, a fun experience. And, you know, uh, a nice little fun fact. I have never seen Matt Sublet laugh until he commentated with me Let me, like well we've seen him laugh before i think i think uh, uh what was it the time that we were at Dio? i think that i hear what it was though. not like this bro uh-huh. this dude almost fell off his chair <laughs> because okay so whenever i give shout outs i definitely want to give shout outs to people who subscribe or follow or like you know because it's the audience that does this because even though i do say the commentating is more percentages of the commentating make the stream in all who really makes the stream 100% of the time is the audience. You know, without the views, without the audience, the stream would be nothing. And so I make sure to give those shout outs. And there was one, <laughs> there was one name because at PPG, it didn't dawn on me to screen these names. So I'm just oh. reading, I'm reading them out loud. And so far, so good. The names, I couldn't pronounce them, but they were PG. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to trust the audience. And I'm just naming them. Naming oh, them. no, you did the and, worst thing. You don't and trust I remember, with anything. And I think there was one name, and it was just like Theo. So I'm thinking Spanish. When I see T-I-O, I'm thinking Theo, you know, an uncle. So I said Theo, and then I see the word big, and then I see two letters next to it, and I say PP. And then out of nowhere, Matt just <laughs> dies laughing, and I look at him, and I'm thinking wait, what did I say that was funny? And then I look back at the name and I'm like, oh, you guys in the audience, y'all did me wrong. I didn't stream this. I, I didn't screen it or anything. I just up and said it, you know, just naturally. And he dies even harder. Like this dude laughs harder when I find out what I did to make him laugh. And after that, of course, I screen him. But that's that's what it's about when it comes to commentating, having fun. And with me commentating, one thing that I do pride myself in is my spontaneity. I actually don't script anything. There's nothing that I script when it comes to commentating. I like the authenticity of what happens. So if people come on stream and you hear me say jokes, those are real jokes. Like those are something that I come up with off the top of my dome because it's another part or another factor in entertainment because it is just reality, it is raw, it is right there, it is not scripted or anything like that. So, like I said, it's it's very good experience. Um, and like I said, shout outs to George Machado. Uh, he gave me the opportunity and it was not wasted because after that, the, a lot of people were messaging that I should be the next event commentator. They were saying, oh, we need these guys officially and everything like that. And on stream, I made sure to tell the guys because it's one thing for me to ask George to commentate, but when you got the audience asking for a certain commentator, it speaks volumes. And so this 
upcoming event that I, I did yesterday, the webcam one, George actually messaged me first. And he said, hey, are you open to commentate? And I asked him what day it was. And as soon as I found out that I was available, I said, I'm your commentator right there. And so, yeah, no, it was a difference. You know, I commentating at PPG in person and then commentating in webcam. Um, when it comes to my me speaking, of course, it's not different. But it does change the atmosphere a little bit. And it sure. does factor in when it comes to the streams and the commentating and stuff like that. But uh, it, it really does open doors for me. He did also ask me if I could have someone co-commentate with me or who I would have commentate with me. And it, it's difficult as a commentator because I know it. when it comes to commentating, it's better to have a co-commentator next to you than to have a co-commentator over you know, Discord because of the experiences that I had and stuff. And so I actually had two co-commentators yesterday. I had a, another one of our teammates. I had Sebastian, a.k.a. the Fusion Fighter, was commentating with me the first uh, half of the tournament. And then I, I, have, I was graced by, finally, I had Marco come in, uh, the second half, Marco of Team Meta Club. You know, much shout-outs to, to Marco uh, putting in that work. And then, of course, after the stream, you know, he looked at me and said, honestly, man, you know, I do enjoy commentating, but it's commentating with you. That, that makes it better experience because of the hype. You know, the fact that I bring the hype and that he brings the meticulous strategics uh, of the game and stuff like that. So it's a very good mesh when you have someone who's hype and someone who's meticulous. You know, if you got two hype men, that that might be a little bit, you know, clashing here and there. Same thing if you have two meticulous people commentating. There's not really that much, uh, there, there's not much clogs or commodity. You're not coming together with it. So it's, like I said, it's, it's a big thing. I really do enjoy commentating. However, I do enjoy the game. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, I've had some people say, oh, you're going to commentate Worlds. And I was like, well, if I don't make it into Worlds, yeah, I commentate. I mean, because me, I, I, I play the game. I like playing the game. And I have actually grown as a player because of commentating. And so, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm not really too much of a meta player. Uh, eventually, I'm going to get to the point where I will be. It's just what deters me is the price. There's a lot of just meta decks that come out that you need the support from the tournament packs, and it's just very expensive to me. So it just drives me more to make my decks, uh, you can consider them rogue decks, to make them better. And whenever I win against these meta decks, it's a combination of things. It's a combination between, I, in order to win with a rogue deck, you have to know the mechanics. You have to know uh, how things and interactions are made. And I think commentating has really helped me with that because of counter window one, counter window two. And like it really takes a lot for a rogue player to be good. So it does, of course, boost my ego a little bit. Granted, you know, I, I don't really top in metas with rogue decks, but I do get close. And I, man, I've been bowled out many times in tournaments. And that frustrates me, man. But you know what? this game i love this game and i hope that people continue to watch this game as much as bandai continues to print out cards and fingers crossed man if it gets to the point where i can't make it to worlds myself playing hopefully george just call me up and say hey we need a commentator for worlds man and that's when you're going to see me of course that's when it commentating you'll see the commentators i'm gonna have a suit and tie but of course with that suit and tie i gotta have my hat man mm. i gotta have my yeah, hat. the iconic hat i don't think i've ever seen you commentate without the hat i think that's the the, the signature piece that you've got right there. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, I'm not going to lie. There have been a few times where I forget my hat. And as soon as I realize, I'm just like, biscuits, I forgot my hat. Because I, I've had uh, some people were just like, I didn't know if that was you or not. 
but I saw the hat. It's PR sign. And I've had people who are just like, oh, man, where'd you get that hat? Where's this hat from? And and it was when I went down. I was a teacher, and uh, I was actually chaperoning. And we went to Universal Studios, and I told my students, I said, if you find an anime cart or an anime shop, you better let me know. But it wasn't until we had to go. It was like 5 o'clock when the buses were about to leave. And on the way out, that's when I saw the anime shop. And I, and I told my students, I, I'm running, and they're like, Mr. Santana, where are you going? And I'm just like, save yourself. I found an anime shop. We're going to shop. And I actually had one student also. She was also in the anime. She actually followed me, and I was just like, oh, man. Well, I guess, it, you know, the buses really can't leave if they're missing a student, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I found this hat, and I was like, I want this hat. I need this hat. And it has the Wings of Freedom on there from Attack on Titans. And uh, ever since there, and... You know, I've had either I've had two types of people, either one people, one type of people would look at my hat and say, I like that hat. That anime is awesome. That is an awesome hat or two. Thank you for your service. And I'm just like, I know it looks it is a military hat from an anime. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't me. It was my parents that actually served in the military. And, I, and I'll let them know. I was just like, I didn't serve. This is an anime hat. But it's nice to know that you guys actually like this hat. And you guys never watched the anime too. So yeah, definitely. If you see PR sign, I'm going to be with this hat right here. This is my lucky hat when I come to take it. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for us. Uh, thanks for joining us, David. David, thank you. Much appreciated, my friend. Yeah. I'm glad you're able to join us. You put a lot of good info onto this podcast. Yeah. Really, about really about a light to the connotation world that nobody really sees. Yeah, like I said, thank you guys for having me. You know, I really do appreciate it. It's not every day that a commentator is being interviewed. So hey, <laughs> definitely much tables love. have turned. The tur- turns have <laughs> tabled, my guy. Turns have tabled. Turn tables. Turntables, but uh, we do our shout-outs, my boy. Yeah, so shout-out to the Salt Boys, best team in Houston. We will be uh, showing off our skill set next week. I don't know why I just did some Illuminati shit with my hands. But... <laughs> that's like get 3 Right, that's fair. Um, also shout-out to the sponsor, uh, Lotus Gaming Shop, and also all the teams in Houston, because we're going to beat you all. And we thank you for letting us progress as the best team and proving it. Oh my god, I like it. I like it. Uh, shout out to uh, I want to give a big shout out to Omar and uh, Galaxy Gaming for sponsoring us as Team Lethal. Uh, definitely the best shop in in uh, all of Texas. No other shop can even come close to compete. Uh, <laughs> definitely come out and watch David commentate. He commentates every other day, so we get some commentation and play in all the time. So. We definitely want to start seeing the audience grow more and more so we can get David more in the spotlight so we can definitely see him uh, commentate the world at some point. 100%. 100%. Would love, I would legit love to see that going on right there. Uh, definitely. Like I said, it's your hype boy. PR sign, Team Lethal. Definitely got to give shout-outs to Omar. Omar has been with the team since day one, since we started the team. Um, I will be throwing out on Facebook that we will be having team wars. You're going to have Salt Boys facing who again? Team Dormant. Team Dormant. And then, of course, I will be commentating that event. So, can't wait. Well, thanks again, guys. Uh, Reboot reboot Vegito. Reboot Vegito. Uh, RIP to Marco (laughs) for today's episode. I know he was busy with work, but uh, if we were ever going to have a replacement, this is one of my top replacements I could have asked for. Um, Thanks again for listening, guys. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have another episode in a couple weeks, and hopefully we don't have any personal issues but no more snowstorms please 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 we can't handle that (laughs) twice Uh, until then guys peace out take it easy